As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino and the NFL draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players. The draft's all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Welcome back to draft season. Cowboys fans, we're counting down the days. The 2023 NFL Draft in Kansas City. We'll be out there covering it for the Athletic Football Show. Make sure you watch our live coverage there. See what the Cowboys do. We're also counting down the days till the beast, Dane Brugler's beast. It's coming soon on The Athletic. So make sure you're signed up. Theathletic.com slash about them Cowboys. Get you the best deal. We've got three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys, especially during draft season. We've got Saad Yusuf from The Athletic. We've got Father John Mishota from The Athletic and your host to lead us through this second, third, fourth, I don't know how many draft episodes we've done at this point. It's Kevin KT Fun Draft Turner. How we doing, guys? Good to see you all. Um, the most exciting sports time of the year, if you ask me. A fellow golf fan myself, I love that it's Masters Week. Some would be really into the NCAA National Championship as we record this on a Monday afternoon, April 3rd. First order of business here, Micah Parsons is uh, really good at calling out stuff. We had the curtains at the Taylor Swift concert, and Micah called it out. What's the story here? Are we ever going to get these curtains taken care of so the sun doesn't stop uh, interfering with Cowboys games? We've got our own players and Taylor Swift getting involved now. I guess it's like Ticketmaster. It just takes Taylor Swift to shine a light on it for people to care, right? Yeah, it's every almost every event that's not a, a Cowboys game that requires any kind of lighting, uh, it, there's going to be curtains. So yeah, I don't know what enough of like the technical stuff of like whose decisions and stuff, but that was funny to see him call that out for sure. I mean, it's Jerry Jones's decision. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as long as Jerry Jones is alive, he doesn't want you know he doesn't want those end zones to be covered up during Cowboys well, no, I meant for games. like the Taylor Swift concert. What, what do you mean? Who, who does what? 
like 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 the decisions on like the curtains for the Taylor Swift concert. The decisions on that that Taylor Swift has nothing to do with anything. Right. Uh, the only reason curtains would be up for curtains are up for everything. Except for Cowboys home games. This is Taylor yeah. Swift thing has yeah. nothing to do with any curtains. I'm telling you right now. I've been there for Final Fours, Sweet 16s, Elite Eight. It's been a while since they've hosted any of those. Curtains up for all of those things. Concerts I've been to, curtains up for all of it. It's only Cowboys home games that don't have the curtains up like that. This this is nothing new at all. It just <laughs> yeah. it's the newest like thing that's going on at AT&T Stadium where they're up. But I'm telling you, I've been there plenty of times where those things have been been up. It just for Cowboys home games. Jerry Jones doesn't want them up. I think it's because he likes the way it looks on TV or for some reason, you know, I I have no idea why he wants it like that, but he's the one, he's the reason why. So as long as he wants them like that, they'll be down. But it, the, the idea that these curtains just have to be purchased and, uh, you know, made and whatever. No, they've been like that the entire time that I've known the stadium to host events. It just, Jerry doesn't want them up for their, for their home football games. Yeah. Do I don't even remember, and I don't want to put you in a position to paraphrase, but I might be doing that. It, is that what is his ever response? Because he's been asked about this. The last his response is that they don't matter. That, that yeah. it has no effect. I think it's they won't do it because it, it admits that it is a problem, a problem enough to put up curtains. Right? Good old fashioned double down. Yeah, it's all right. So just so just so, not acknowledge it. Just act like it's not a problem and. It goes away, I guess. So when he's been at, so when he's been asked about it, he has said things like, "Well, it just like win at some places and elements at others. Both teams have to deal with it." Or when he's been really fired up and he's been asked about it after a big loss, he has said how well, that's like on you know number you know two hundred on my list of things I'm worried about right now. And he's said it in a very contentious way, so that there generally isn't much of a follow up about that. And it's in a time where. It's not the biggest thing to talk about anyway because they lost a big game. So uh, he's talked his way around it en- enough that it's one of those things where it's like, why are you even asking anymore? It's Jerry Jones. Who? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I guess some people are new to him, I guess. Maybe they, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they don't really know how Jerry Jones operates, but Jerry Jones does whatever he wants. I don't know why this is new, but that's just how it goes. So that's well, why I'm okay. saying. Curtains could be put up for... Uh, you know, down the line 10 years from now or something like that, for sure. But as long as Jerry Jones is around calling the shots, he's he's not going to not have them up. I mean, he's not going to have them up during Cowboys home games, you know? And by the way, selfishly, just as a, as a growing up Patriots fan, Tom Brady fan and stuff, that picture of Tom Brady in the end zone, um, uh, what was that, the 2015 game? With the light coming the- in, yeah. Yeah, well, with the sunlight coming in through the like that, that's a that's one of the best pictures I've seen of, of Brady. So I, I kind of do like that. So uh, we have a uh, speaking of Jerry, let's go to the owners' meetings there. I thought McCarthy almost ha- was put in that position to almost clean up some things Jerry said. Um, and you look at what Jerry said about Terrence Steele. I still don't know that I f- feel like I have full cl- clarity on what their plan is, even based off their comments, because I don't know how seriously I should take comments from Jerry anymore. Um, and then I think like Mike McCarthy comes in and, you know, he says a, a bit of a company line type thing, you know, best five out there and all that stuff. But are they thinking about moving Terrence still to guard? Or what do you think yeah, they're the very doing last question, The very last question that he was asked was, if they're thinking about moving uh, to guard or giving some work at guard. And he said, uh, he said that, yeah, that's something that we're working on. So he didn't shut the door on it either. 
Um, and Jerry's not going to just make that up. I mean, Terrence Steele isn't on the level of Jerry just making something. He just wouldn't, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, I want him still on the roster. Zeke's a big time name. Terrence, he's not going to just dig up Terrence Steele thing, thinking that that's going to get us all riled up to talk about. And then the fan base is going to talk about, like he probably doesn't even, he's probably surprised that it's as big of a topic as it is. Cause that's just not on Jerry's big name thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, do you really think that, do you think Jerry Jones can go down the roster and name, correctly name every player position and their number? No, no, no way. So, Not I mean, I, I don't think that he was trying to stir some stuff up there necessarily. I think he was told that by the coaching staff that, Hey, we're going to start working some guys in some different positions. Terrence Steele could be one of them. I look at it as one of those things where I expect Terrence Steele to be continue being an offensive tackle, a right tackle. Um, maybe week one, Tyron Smith starts and then Terrence Steele doesn't take back over until Tyron Smith misses games. But I don't see him playing guard. I felt like they said things like that, and they're talking about that as a possibility in case they don't dress, address guard in the draft. You know, okay. that's the reason why I think they said it. Because if you look at their roster right now, that's the clear, like kind of a glaring and one of the only glaring holes that you see. You're like, man, left guard, you know, I haven't really replaced what they what they lost there with Connor McGovern. So what are they going to do there? And and so at the owners' meetings, you know, they talked about how they signed Chuma Doga, who they think can play some there. So then you have him, you have Terrence Steele. They, they, they're guys that can play there, but I'm, I'll be surprised if they don't draft a guard relatively high. And so by saying that, it makes it look like, oh, no, no, we can go play right now. Yeah, of course. Yes, of course you can go play right now. But is that the best thing? Is that the best thing for this season? Is that the best thing going forward at guard? So I, I don't think they wanted to telegraph anything because where they're sitting right now, if you think that they have left guard filled in, they don't really have any pressing needs. They can pretty much just draft whatever position they want. Could I play devil's advocate and say that maybe Jerry was being a genius? Is it possible that this was a contract leveraging negotiating tactic? Because there is a little bit of a difference in if Terrence Steele is looking for a new contract as a tackle rather than Terrence Steele looking for a contract as a guard. Um, how they handle and it's the Cowboys, so you're totally, you're totally valid in asking that. You know, I, think, I don't think I, that's the case, but because you're because the Cowboys do business the way the Cowboys do, you can say that. I think that they also live in a pipe dream of that Tyron uh, that Tyron Smith is going to be healthy all season. Yeah. And if Tyron Smith is healthy, at the end of the day, he's probably a better right tackle than Tyron Steele. The problem is, is that you have to go look back at the last five or six years, knowing you're not going to get Tyron Smith for a full season. So it's like. Yeah, this sounds good week one. Well, it didn't even make it to week one with that plan last year with him starting. So that factors in too, is that they feel like, okay, if Tyron's healthy and they anticipate him coming into the season healthy, then we're probably better off with him at right tackle and they don't want to move Tyler Smith from left tackle. So that's kind of where you get into this. But I don't think that they, I don't think they look at it as, oh my God, now we got to pay this guy elite right tackle money. To be honest with you, if he wants elite right tackle money, he probably won't get it from the Cowboys because they have other things that they need to spend that money on. So, you know, it'll be one of those things where they would potentially have to move on. Yeah. And to your point, KT, like, you know, like, like, like John said, I think it's valid. I, I don't think it's likely, but, um, but I do think it's valid. And we saw the whole Zeke negotiations. I feel like they literally signed it a, 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 a player in Jalen Smith, just as part of kind of negotiating tactics in, in a sense. So um, you can't totally dismiss that for sure. The uh, big odds came out today. Playoff chances here for each team. 
This is uh, via bet online. You see this every every single year. You get to the Cowboys, and you get some pretty good numbers here. Now, I, I uh, personally think it's you know kind of a no brainer in the NFC. The Cowboys look like a team who will probably make the playoffs, right? Um, but they, uh, I don't know. You guys don't really gamble like that much, like the way uh, Vegas does. I'm more like over unders and things like that. But the Cowboys coming in at the, uh, they were 10 out of nine, 10 of 19 to make it. So you're not making any money, right? So yeah, 65.5% chance of making the playoffs right there for your Dallas Cowboys. If you, if you guys had to give a number right now, percentage chance the Cowboys make the playoffs next year. One, two, three, shoot. 80. Oh. 80. Oh. Yeah, I'd probably be closer to 70, but I mean, just because there's injuries and things like Slightly that. Slightly under 70 for me. Under 70. Kent. Winning the Questions division. The I'd, offense, be Kent? Lower. I'd be lower winning the division, but making the playoffs. Yeah. Ask me, ask me after the draft, maybe. Got to see where we're at there. Uh, I don't know. This is where I think, uh, I think, I do think it's. Somewhere around there, sixty-five percent is a good number. I would probably shoot a little higher, probably seventy-five percent, because God, I, mean, I look at it frankly, as kind of how it compares to the rest of the NFC. And when I think of that, I'm like, well, then tell me what the Eagles are. Give me the percentage on the Eagles. Give me the percentage on the Niners, and then give me the percentage on one other team that is expected to make the playoffs. And I think that when you put all four of those numbers together, I don't think seventy percent for the Cowboys to make the playoffs is going to be that far off. Because I don't think that there's a hundred percent for anybody. Yeah. I, I doubt that there's even ninety percent for everybody because of just how much parity there is and injuries and things like that. I bet you. So if I covered the Niners or I was on a Niners show and they asked me, I'd say I don't know. I feel probably about eighty-five to ninety percent on the Niner, Niners, eighty-eight, probably around eighty percent for the Eagles, and then seventy percent to seventy-five percent for the Cowboys, and then anybody whoever else those next NFC teams are. Uh, would probably be somewhere between 65 and 70% because even for the Eagles, like they look like the favorites in the NFC East right now, but like you're going to have the Eagles at what 90, 95% because what you just watched the Super Bowl. Do you not follow the NFC East for them yeah. to lay an egg this year? Like then you're just not paying attention. That stuff happens all the time in the NFC East. I got the bills at a 71% chance, which makes sense because you could see a world where Miami sneaks out of that division and the Bills are fighting for a wild card. You could see that world. Bengals, 78% chance of making the playoffs. They're banking on a, little, a lot going on in that division, too, with possibly losing Lamar, depending on what happens there. So 65 is really up there. I mean, that's a really high number. Uh, John, the Detroit Lions, 63% chance of making the playoffs. Okay, so if that? the Lions are 63, that automatically puts the Cowboys at 80, right? Just no, I think it should. No, 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 no. There's a factor in this that, that you guys the are division that Aaron Rodgers is leaving yeah, the, division the division and it's completely wide open and the Cowboys play in what is the best division. So, yeah, you know, that's that has to be added in there because they feel like you're going to get an extra bump if, if you're looked at as the favorite to win the division. The Cowboys are not the favorite to win their division. The Lions, yeah, yeah. when Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, will probably be the favorite to win their division. Yeah. 78 percent for the Chiefs. That's the highest one I see there. Um. Yeah. Oh, the Eagles, seventy-eight percent chance of making it too. Your Super. Bowl I would. Teams. I would. Yeah. I would. I would say that's interesting, just because sometimes I do believe in like Super Bowl hangovers and stuff, and um, I, I think that one could be a little interesting to watch. But. Yeah. There we go. So uh, 
There's that. Let's uh, let's talk draft stuff. I don't know. You guys are kind of uh, in the zone now. Are there any actually owners meeting? Is there anything off the owners meeting you want to hit, um, John? One thing I will say, I do think it's interesting how Jerry and Steven played d- down the idea that they were more aggressive by going out and getting Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks as if, oh, no, if any of these moves <laughs> are ever on the table in the past, we're, we're, in, we're looking into those, too. Sure. I mean, sure, you probably are. But I doubt it was as aggressive as it was this year. And do I think that their aggressiveness is on the same level of, let's say, the Eagles last year or the Rams the year before or Tampa Bay the year before that? No. But by Cowboy standards, beyond the past decade, guys, you were more aggressive during the first week of free agency and really for the last month than you've been at any other point in the last decade in that part of the month. And so I thought I found it interesting that they downplayed it. Cause it was almost like to me, like, Oh, Oh, well, we're not, it's not like, you know, we're doing anything differently. We've always done business this way. It's like, nah, I don't know about all that. Like business like that for the Cowboys typically would be maybe, maybe doing one of those moves to pull off both of those. You guys were trying to be a little bit more aggressive. Let's be honest here. There's no doubt. Like I always get annoyed when they, um, Act like we don't know what's going on. Like you guys are doing things that you don't normally do. So that's not like it's never happened before. I just don't think the price they paid is they consider an aggressive price. You know, from Maybe that, I, I agree. I I agree. But we also don't know how many other deals for proven veterans at the back end of their career that they've turned down for fifth and sixth round picks. We don't have that information in front of us. We could be dumbfounded right now if we knew that. We don't get to play the game that way. We don't know how many of those are that they turned down because they're like, no, no, no. We like keeping our picks. We don't want to trade picks and stuff like that. And you're sitting there going, are you serious for whatever receiver or something like that? You guys didn't want to do that? No, we liked our guys at that position. We didn't want to bring another guy into the room. And we're all sitting here stunned like, really? For a fifth round pick, you guys didn't do that? So we don't know who those guys are. So again, all we do know is what happens this time of year. And over the last decade... The idea that all of a sudden, like both of these happened in the same offseason and that's not being more aggressive. Like, I mean, hey, anybody out there, you want to buy it? Buy it all you want. I'm not. Thank you. I heard, Ken, I heard you mention the number zero. Uh, there's a little bit of fun uh, stuff going around on Twitter between Micah Parsons and J. Rod Curse. It'll go to J. Rod Curse, number zero. Which good move by Micah? The 1 1 looks great. Keep that 1 1, brand it. You're in good shape there, man. Not a I lot also of heard 11s. that there might have been some financials involved with that too. If you oh, want to buy out the you rest, have to of the buy 11s, out all the jerseys, right? It's pretty expensive compared to Jaron Curse having Jalen Smith do that. He spent like how much to get number nine? He had to buy up all the fifty fours or something. Yeah, I I, I want to say it was in the millions. <laughs> it was a lot by buying them up, buying up what by the the was on the NFL inventory. store. What's been made? Yeah. Well, with the Cowboys, they do all their own stuff, so they probably have their own deal with it. But yeah, yeah. you have to basically purchase the inventory. And in Micah's case, the amount of number 11 jerseys that have been printed up is probably innumerable at this point. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. be worth it. Oh, yeah, astronomical. There's probably no way. Who would have been the best number zero in Cowboys history? Mm. Dang, that's a good one. Dion. Yeah, Dion. I would have also liked to see Alvin Harper. Um, mm. 
I don't know. Like, I feel like it's a kind of cool, like, second wide receiver. Uh, if your first wide receiver is kind of like that flashy guy, I, I kind of like. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've been conditioned to that because of like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook type stuff um, or what. But yeah. Um, but I, but I feel like I would like to see Alvin Harper in, in zero. I'll go with Jay Ratliff. I do think zero looks kind of cool on on decent like defensive tackles. Okay, uh, yeah, I like that. I just think on zero on like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't love zero as on a skill position player as much as I like, like one or some of the single digit numbers, you know, dude, whatever CD wanted when he got here, I think it was one, right? No, um, it was, it was, 10, it was right? I think it was, a, it was no, 10. It was it was, a, oh, I thought it was 11. It was 10 or 11. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It was something like that, but that would have been so clean with Amari, um, and, and him and Gallup Gallup was 13. Like, oh, that would have been so cool. But Jerry didn't. But also, also speaking of that though. Like 88, I think looks better on like a bigger wide receiver, whereas, you know, yeah. CD's a little bit leaner. But at yeah. the same time, like nobody ever talks about this, but what wide receiver is trying to rock 19, though? I mean, that's not really. That's a who's weird fighting movie. over 19? Like, oh, I'll buy out the rest of the jerseys. I want to get 19. Yeah. Said no one ever. Weird. <laughs> 17's a weird one, a little bit. 15 right. very weird on a wide receiver. I don't know. Yeah. There's something about that. I, I think any of the wide receivers. I think, I mean, traditionally the 80s are, you know, wide receiver numbers, but nowadays wide receivers, a lot of like leaner, like smaller guys. I mean, if you can get a single digit, that's where it's at. Yeah, I, I fancy mean, with myself. wide receivers, 80s was always the thing growing up. You had T.O., yeah. Yeah, 81 was T.O. and Moss. Moss was 84. Jerry Rice was 80. Like, you just, it was just always those, Chad Ochocinco, like all that stuff. It was, 80s yeah, was really the other crazy. The other thing that factors in with this too is, uh, so like when I was in high school, I wore 88 and I'm pretty thin. So you would think, oh yeah, oh. You, pro- you probably look like an idiot. And it's like, well, no, when you're in high school in like the late nineties, you're rocking some gnarly shoulder pads that these dudes <laughs> don't wear anymore. These guys all wear yeah. like kicker pads. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the 88 on like these guys nowadays doesn't look like the way it is. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, you just look at like, just t- I'll give you two guys mainly cause I got pictures of them right in front of me here. Uh, I have, is Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith like their shoulder pads are ridiculous compared Barry to Barry Sanders shoulder pads were ridiculous maybe yeah. it's cuz he was smaller but yeah. his shoulder pads were insane Huge. yeah yeah you know I, I i find myself to be i i try to be pretty uh progressive when it comes to those things but i do kind of hate the number rules of the last few years i kind of just like my just knowing the numbers now i realize we're doing the player empowerment thing and that's all good and uh, that's great but I, don't know, I kind of kind of miss the times when wide receivers and tight ends were eighties, uh, which had like your limits. I don't know. I always like kind of like that. So I don't know. I've always been more that way with the quarterbacks. Like I think if a quarterback ever tried to get like you know twenty five or something, I think I would lose That'd be my weird. marbles. Um, I, I think for quarterbacks, it's like really important for me that it's one through nineteen, but really not even like like nineteen. Like you know. I, like for me, it's very standard. Like number twelve is the is the golden standard for for quarterback numbers, going back to Staubach and Bradshaw, and all the way through Brady and Rodgers and everything. But um, but yeah, I think other than quarterbacks, like I'm a little bit more with skill positions. I'm a little bit more liberal with that. What was your number, Sod? Twelve. <laughs> nice. Of course. Yeah, I was twelve my whole life. What about UKT. Well, I started out in junior high as a running back, and I was number 42 because my favorite player was Darren Sharper, but I highly regret that now. 
given his the team <laughs> on his back though. Yeah. yeah, when he broke his leg and then still made that play, that that's one of the greatest yeah, highlights you can ever greatest. have, you know. Well, to put yeah, your team Greg, on the back like that, yeah. that's crazy. Greg Jennings, though, you know, that's the thing. You know, one, yeah, it's Greg one Jennings. Of, one of the best receivers in the entire league. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, yeah, so I ended up at number 10. So Play a little everywhere, though. A little backup quarterback. Number 10 once you receiver. switched to quarterback. Yeah. And then uh, when I got to high school, I discovered beer and put on some weight. Um, <laughs> get to high school it happens I was trying to think of like a, a good number 42 yeah you're not going to get a lot you're not going to get far I'm going with yeah. Dion as the best in Cowboys history but Kevontae Turpin like he's number zero come on yeah, yeah. that's, that's number yeah. zero yeah. <laughs> I like that looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, well, we, we do have a couple, uh, of uh, draft things that now we're going to get to uh, a little bit of John's article, um, in the athletic, which you can, uh, check out. We're going to talk about a couple of things there. They did have some visits, um, coming in. Obviously they'll get Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver from TCU at Dallas day. Um, so they've got Jalen Hyatt coming in for a visit. Um, so we're starting to see some wide receiver names, uh, pop in a little bit. That's a little interesting. Um, I, for one, and I I think it's hard to get a read on this right now because they've done such a good job in free agency setting themselves up to be unpredictable in the draft. But after the Brandon Cooks trade can happen, I kind of was in my head almost ruling out a wide receiver in round one. But I uh, we're seeing some names now that they're they're bringing in, at least. And, you know, who who knows? It's it's really going to be hard to predict the Cowboys uh, draft pick this year, but. I uh, I think it's interesting that there's some wide receivers coming in. Zay Flowers also uh, as well. So another 
a lot of wide receivers coming in, visiting. Is this surprising to you at all, John, or just kind of what you thought? Because I, I don't know. For one, when the Cooks thing happened, I just couldn't see them taking a wide receiver anymore in the first round. Yeah, I look at it as not really knowing for sure what you're going to have in Jalen Tolbert. And then Michael Gallup, now being two years removed from the injury, you're expecting him to be back to the player he was before. But Cooks could only be a one-year thing. So, And, and in today's NFL, you really do need – like four good wide receivers. And I think more than anything, it's also the, if you look at, if you just break down, let's say like, who's probably going to be the top 20 picks, you know, so basically guys that are out of the Cowboys range and kind of get your sense of what's left. There probably are going to be a receiver or two there at 26. So why not kick the tires on these guys do the interview process, find out what they are, because there's a there's a chance that when you're sitting there at 26, that one of these receivers who, let's be honest, none of them really blow you away. And when I say blow you away, I mean to the sense where you're just like, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so is not getting outside the top 10. There's not a single receiver in this class you would say that about. So when they're doing their board, let's say, for example, they have Jordan Addison as the number one wide receiver in this class. Well, let's say three receivers go, and at 26, Jordan Addison's still there. The Cowboys are like, wow, at 26, we don't really need receiver, but he's the best receiver on our board. Actually, you know, let's take it out of there. Just because you said Jalen Hyatt, we'll use Jalen Hyatt as that example. You know, he was a guy, you know, mentioned uh, a visit. Jalen Hyatt is the, they rate him as the best receiver in this class and he's there. Then I, then you have to, to get the best receiver at 26 on your board, you know? So I don't know that that's the case. And I, right sure. now today, don't predict, predict them to take a wide receiver, but I just I look at wide receiver and corner as two very likely positions. Wide receiver, corner, and tight end that are three positions that there's probably going to be somebody decent there. So you might not really want to address that right now as you go into the draft, but it might come one of those things like the CD Lamb pick where you're like, well, we didn't think we we're going to be drafting CD Lamb. But we also didn't think CD Lamb was going to be here. So let's take the best player available. So I think that's yeah. why you see some of this. Okay, let me ask you a question, John. Um, in your in your latest mock, you took Nolan Smith, and you said Quentin Johnson and um, and uh, Deontay Banks. I think you said had both gone before. Would you take either or both of them before Nolan? No, you can give me a lot more names, and I'm still going with Nolan Smith. I'm telling you, the biggest thing with Nolan Smith to me, I mean, totally a pick that I never would have even said three years ago, but it's because of what Dan Quinn has done, what he's done with Micah Parsons. He's the type of guy that I'm trying to give as many pieces possible because like a Nolan Smith, the reason why he would fall is because, you know, a little bit size, a little bit down from what you look at for your typical edge rusher. If he had that, you know, maybe six, four, you know, two sixty something like that. He's probably, especially with his speed. I mean, he has wide receiver speed is crazy. Then yeah, you wouldn't even be talking about him, but because he's a little bit smaller, you know, there are questions about how he'll hold up throughout an entire NFL season. But he, him to me, he just looks like such such a, like a chess piece. That man to give him to Dan Quinn with like Micah and like what Dan Quinn has been able to do with J. Ron and Donovan Wilson, and it's like it, it kind of to me in a way side it goes to that whole Bill Belichick. You know, during that run with the Patriots, one of the things they did that was so great on defense is like from week to week, like no other, they could switch up game plans. They had so many versatile pieces that you're just like, man, like he, like they were doing on a level that nobody else was even close. And so if you keep giving Dan Quinn elite talented pieces to move around from week to week, I'm I'll sign up for that all day. 
Yeah, and I think when it, it becomes increasingly more matchup driven when you look at it, when you go week to week about how you match up with the other team. Um, there are some defenses. I feel like this was true with Jason Garrett's offense um, a lot of times, and maybe his defense as well, but definitely his offense where it was like, this is what we do, and this is what we're going to do every single week. And you can try to adjust, but we're going to do this every single week. Um, whereas I feel like with Dan Quinn, he might be a little bit more what you're talking about with that matchup driven thing where you know he's able to match match up Micah with a different guy on a different side. Um, and then if you give him someone like Nolan Smith, then, you know, he can take that to another level. But I do think it's interesting about the different philosophies that you take on at that. Now, John, in your article, you were kind of um, – I know you used a, a, a mock draft simulator. If Nolan Smith gets there, great. Now, here's the other players that were selected right before you went. Um, you had – first of all, you had B. John Robinson gone. You had Quentin Johnston, the a TCU wide receiver. Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks, Utah Titan Dalton Kincaid gone. The other name that I would throw out there, and I don't know, if, what about the other wide receivers though? I wanted like if Zay Flowers, who they're bringing in, like does that do anything for you, or do you think they do anything for them? Is it just like is Nolan Smith just too good a value at twenty six? Because I mean, I like, like they're Nolan Robinson. Smith. No, or Nolan Smith are there. Top I'm 15. taking either of them. I'm t- I, I'm taking BJ Robinson or Nolan Smith over all those wide receivers. Unless, like I said, like I don't know. I like Jordan Addison a lot. I know that he isn't the consensus number one wide receiver like I thought he would be. Um, but if they f- really feel like he is clearly like the number one wide receiver, then by all means, then go take that guy. But I'm just Nolan Smith and Bijan Robinson are just two guys to me that scream we're way too talented to be here at 26 so if you want to let us keep falling let us keep falling but someone and and you know what and i say that though because again the key with the nolan smith thing is man three years ago i'm not doing that because i don't know how that fits in and then all of a sudden you're just like i don't know how this is going to work i like the nolan smith thing because it because dan quinn's not a head coach somewhere else dan quinn's still in the building that's why i like the nolan smith thing okay and and one last thing that i'll add on to this sorry kt if i'm getting a little off track but but if you have one of these players, like you said, Bijan went and like, I think you said number 10 or something like that. So it was way gone. But if you get like Bijan Nolan at like 22, 23, do you even consider at that point packaging something together to go up at 22 or something like that to go get them? Are they that good? Or is it like too good at 26 and not so much to where you're paying a fourth rounder or a third rounder to move up to 22? Well, can I just jump in real quick and say in the scenario that you drew up there, we had 25 would be Dalton Kincaid, 24 Deontay Banks, 23 Quentin Johnston. So would you yeah. go up to 22? 22 like, or 21. If Johnston and Banks and even Kincaid, even though I'm personally not a fan of a first-round tight end, but that could be a guy they like, you might, you're probably sitting there and, and just waiting and seeing what gets to you, right? Because you like all those guys. But your question, may, I mean – it makes sense. I couldn't see them jumping, especially because they are, you know, at seven picks. You, know, I, I, this is a very easy uh, generic draft fodder, but you hear this every year, and it's always like, oh, you could trade back and get more picks. Well, if someone wants to come up to you, yeah, you could trade back and get more picks. I, I couldn't see them. I, I can't really see them trading up this year yeah. because they are pretty limited and. And how they operate. They like to have 10 picks in the draft each year, you know, and they're coming at it at seven this year. 
So I would say I would say it's unlikely that they would trade up just because of how this whole thing has been put together. And then the fact that you're going to have to pay Micah, Dak's going to get a new contract, Trayvon Diggs, C.D. Lamb. They need draft picks because that's how they're going to be able to fill in the rest of this. And so the other part of it is, is that I don't see them packaging any picks this year because if you're talking even going from 26 to 22, I mean, that you're going to give up at least a third rounder. Yeah. And, and, and I really feel like because of how deep the tight end class is and how, you know, the tight end class to me in a way is almost like the wide receiver class in the sense that I can see a lot of these tight ends being a lot different on every, every team's board. Yeah, I mean, I do yeah. not see, you know, there could be some teams out there that have Darnell Washington as their number one tight end. And there could be other teams that have him at seven, you know, like, so I think that they don't want to give up a third round pick or a second round pick because they really think they can get a good value at maybe a tight end or running back there, an offensive lineman. I think, I think that they would let the draft kind of fall to them. I would be surprised if they, if they traded up and if they do, more so than even in the past, if they do, they they really love this player. So, in that scenario, like I could see it for like a Bijan Robinson because you're just like, man, this we think he's the most impactful player in this entire draft class, and we only have to move up four spots to get him. Yeah, let's go do it, man. Forget it. My thing about Bijan though that I keep thinking though, if he starts falling, he ain't making it to the Cowboys because some teams no. behind the Cowboys will jump the Cowboys, knowing if he gets there, he's gone. You know, so. Um, it's gonna be like that then, Dallas Goddard thing, right? Above, but then the other side of it is the other side of it that I I keep thinking about with this Bijan Robinson thing is too is all the Cowboys fans that you know don't believe in taking a running back in the first round, which I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a huge part of the fan base. I mean the the fan base is so huge anyway, so there's going to be little bits of you know different you know beliefs on in in all different areas. That's fine, but. For anybody that doesn't want them to draft a running back in the first round, watch this dude go to the Eagles and see what happens and deal with him twice a year. Just just watch that happen. And it's just not it's just not the same when you say a first round running back number four and twenty six is just not the same. John, you and I were talking about this during the season, like in the press box. You might remember, like I, I was like, yeah, like I would definitely like I I, I would take a, a running back late in the first round because it's just not the same kind of investment and value. I to me. And, and you know what? I, I'm not advocating ever to take a running back at number four ever again, but I would much rather take the running back at number four than to give him the second contract. That's the real issue is like you can have like I, I still don't think you you take him at four, but even if you did take a, a running back at eight or nine, I don't think that's as egregious as giving him the second contract. So that's really where the issue is. It's amazing to me that they didn't say, oh, you're in Cabo, want to hang out? Well, we'll go play a couple games without you. It's amazing yeah. that that happened. And that's... They did it know, with Emmett, but a, they didn't do it with Zeke. Yeah, beating a dead horse, of course, but that's, you know, neither here nor I, there. I really, I really feel like now that all the cards have been played and we know how everything unfolded, I feel like there's something that needs to be factored in here that I very rarely, if ever hear anybody factor in on that whole decision. And that's start with Jerry Jones desperately wanting Jason Garrett to be successful. Look at his track record. Look how long he stuck with Garrett. It speaks for itself. Actions speak louder than words. The actions say he really wanted Garrett to work out. I think going into that season now more than ever, 
Jerry said to himself, this is it for Jason. If he doesn't make make it this year, then we move on. But I'm going to give him every chance to be successful. Because Zeke was definitely a make Jason Garrett successful pick. Because and that's not, and the, Well, yeah, but I'm talking about after that. The Romo, oh, was, that was gone. By the time you get to contract, that you yeah, the contract, yes. He's okay. already doing TV. Um, I'm talking about like, hey, we need to keep Zeke here because the way Jason wants this done, he gives us the best chance to be successful. We can't go in another direction now because with the way that this team is built and the way Jason wants it, there's no chance that he's going to have success with this team this year. He's like, so I'm going to let it play out. We think things are going to go well. We think we're going to make the playoffs and – Let's see what happens there. And obviously it didn't. And then so they move on from Jason Garrett at the end of that season. And now you, now you have Zeke on, on your hands that you're paying for, you know, several more years into, into the next head coach. Because I don't think the current head coach looks at running back the same way as the previous head coach. Uh, no, Def- definitely not. Aside over round two there, obviously we didn't mention uh, in the open, they get Jonathan Hankins back on a one-year deal. Um, great move. One year with that money, that money, cool, all good. Yeah, uh, and that's the other said, position. I mean, we talk about left guard, D- defensive tackle is another one. You look at this roster, that would be right there too. With hey, you need yeah. to n- add another young body. Hankins is a one year deal. Neville Galmore is in his last year on his contract. So the only young DTs you have are Quentin Bohanna and Oso Diggy Zua. So by all means, go go and draft a, a defensive tackle. And if that's the best player at twenty six, go for it, man. I mean, so, if they had a top ten pick. Uh, I guess it would be Jalen Carter. You know, that's one that we should talk about, KT. I was going to ask if, you guys. What if Jalen Carter starts falling? Yeah. How, you got to get the What mix. point? What pick does it have to be before you're making a call? Is it 15? I'm a little bit further back then. I probably have to get to 18 to 20 at range. But, I mean, I man, you better have done your homework there because you're going to be spending a lot on something that could be very, very, very boom or very, very bust. Because, let's be honest, the position Jalen Carter plays – Jalen Carter isn't a really talented wide receiver. He's a really talented defensive tackle. Those are so hard to find. It is so usually to get the elite, like game record defensive tackles, like Jalen Carter. I mean, you're not making it out of the top ten. You know, you're not making so to get him. That's a that's a huge game changer if if he if he plays and and he plays well. Giving up pick fifty eight could get you to around uh, you know, get you to around pick sixteen. Um, so you could get 10 spots by giving up your number two. Um, if you gave up your number, your third round pick number 90, that could get you to around 20. It should jump about six spots. I think that's probably the spot, right? That's, uh, yeah, that's report, more likely. The report today is that he's been turning down. Now, granted, it's whispers season, right? <coughs> uh, smoke everywhere, of course. But it's that he's basically turning down visits from teams outside the top 10. Like, I... Talking to you because I ain't going outside the top ten. Well, you might so, be in it for a big surprise. Until you are. <laughs> We've seen crazier things. I mean, until you gas mask me like Laramie Tunsil. Oh, I know geez. a team at nine that he, that's definitely not taking him. So I never understand that logic anyways because, I mean, when we talk about guys that, you know, that that you sign in free agency or, or trade, like a lot of that familiarity goes back to some draft meetings and stuff like that. Like, I don't understand... Yeah, like yeah, you might not you might get drafted outside the top ten. You don't know where you're gonna be signing in free agency five years later, though. So why not take that meeting? It's just dumb. hot opinion that it's, and I apologize if it's insensitive because, quite frankly, a person did lose their life. When it comes to football, 
I'm more concerned about him showing up to his workouts overweight and kind of slow than the incident. That's just me. If I'm building a team, obviously you're going to ask your questions. You're going to find out as much as you can, but I could chalk that up to a kid being dumb. Maybe, you know, young and dumb. I don't think that I don't think I would be very surprised if he starts slipping in the draft, it's because of that one incident. Because I completely yeah, it's going to be with the you. other stuff. I like, mean, we all do stupid things when we're young. Accidents happen. You obviously you hope that they never happen to the level that something happened there. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that an NFL NFL teams ten of them would all get together and be like, "Yeah, none of we're not taking him because of that one incident." I, if he falls out of top ten, that's because the work. I mean, oh, yeah, well, not only that, but let's. I mean. It's yeah. one of my biggest issues with with all the mock drafts that everybody does and the and the big boards and everything like that. Like, we know nothing about one medicals, and two yeah. the behind the scenes that these teams all hire private eye like pro- professionals that they're paying hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to to do background searches, digging way deeper than anybody that's going to have any access to. You know, I sure. mean, the, the, to be honest with you, there are so many things I enjoy talking about with Brian Broaddus when it comes to the, like football and pro sports and stuff like that. One of my favorite is when we talk about the draft and he talks about when he was with the Eagles and the type of money they spent to look into prospects and stuff like that. You think Joe mock draft is doing that? No. And that's stuff that like literally takes you from like, oh, I had him on, I had him number two on my board to, Yeah. He didn't even get drafted. <laughs> I mean, it's like not even was he not a top 10 pick. He was not even a seventh round pick. So there's a lot of behind the scenes where you're just like, Okay, is the gas mask thing a one-off for Laramie Tunsil, or is this just one thing that got out? And it's like there's so many other issues there that he's never making even to a second contract because we're going to have to babysit him all the time. And obviously, that's not the case. But I'm saying there's a lot more behind the scenes than ever gets to the surface. No doubt. Um, let's go to round two here on John Mock, Mock Draft, who's a little different than Joe Mock Draft. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. So basically, situated in the second round, um, you uh, paint a scenario where TCU offensive lineman Steve Avila is gone, Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs is gone, um, Motsi Smith, defensive tackle from Michigan, is the pick there. 6'3", 323. That feels like good value for him at 58. I mean, he's a guy who I could see going in the top 40. Um, some teams might be a little scared, uh, uh, scared away by him. And I don't know sometimes, uh, we can uh, think of Michigan, uh, defensive linemen and have bad thoughts, but, uh, yeah, interesting pick and good value right there in the second round. Yeah. Like I don't think Nolan Smith will be there at 26 and I don't think Mozzie Smith is going to be there in the second round, but I wanted to draft by the best players that were available because at the end of the day, like I wrote this in the comment section of that story. I was like, yes, I don't think those two guys will get there. But I also didn't think last year that that Bernard Raymond would fall to 77 or Nicobe Dean would fall to 83 or Malik Willis to 86 or Tariq Woolen to 153 or Kingsley and Igbari to 179. So it's like there's always guys that we talk about this time of year, a month before the draft, that you're just like, yeah, I would take that guy. I mean, he's not going to be there in the third. You're right. He's not going to be there in the third. He will still be there in the fifth. Like, I mean, imagine imagine me telling you that N'Kobe Dean was going to fall into the third round. You never uh, would have I believed mean, that at that time. Simply Trayvon Diggs to the second round. Yeah. I mean, that's the big one that jumps out. I mean, 
this is a second round pick here in the draft. They're like, what? Oh, that's why. Hey, you know what the wild? You know what the wild card is going to be in this draft? Is that there's going to be some of these quarterbacks are still going to be there at twenty. Just watch. All these mock drafts have like five quarterbacks going in the first like seven or eight picks. Just watch. There's going to be a couple of these guys that are just. I mean, Le- Levis is not going in the top twenty. I'll believe it when I see it. I just don't really believe that all these quarterbacks. This is not even that good of a quarterback draft one. And then for yeah. all of them to go that high. So anyway, but yeah, the Mozzie Smith thing. I do think the Steve Avila kid could potentially be there. And I think he would make a ton of sense. He played left guard this past season for TCU. He's got center uh, snaps under his belt. That's the guy, man. That would be perfect. You piece him in there. He's your left guard. If something was to happen to Biotish, he can play center too. That right there, of the realistic guys that could potentially be there, that's the one I, I probably like the most. And he's dying to be a cowboy. Yeah. Uh, Steve, uh, is it, did you say Avila? Yeah, I went on their Avila. website. Yeah, yeah, I went on their website, uh, the team website, and during uh, next to some of the names, they'll have, like, you can click on a button, and it'll have, like, either the player or an SID say the name, and it said mm-hmm. Avila, so that's what I think it is. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, it looks like Avila, but, yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page, though. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, just no. Steve. Yeah, yeah Steve. Just Steve. Get you a good Steve on the offensive line. Let him go to work. Because here's my thing, like, you know, we've talked about before, KT, about, like, do you really need a first-round pick at every offensive line position? And I'm totally against it. I don't think you do. But there is also the, you know, Tyron Smith isn't going to be here very much longer. How many more years does Zach Martin have? The idea that, yeah, you're investing a second-round pick in a left guard to go next to your left tackle. You're hoping to pair them together for the next decade. Like, I I really like that idea. Yeah, I do, too. I also, like, wonder how much McCarthy has in that. Yeah. McCarthy, despite his this isn't fantasy football comments, has always had flexible offensive linemen. Uh, going back to his years in Green Bay, he had guys who could move around and play multiple positions a little bit. Um, and this is the they they like. They also you know what what a um, you know, Super Bowl with you know Ryan Grant and and Brandon Jackson, and, uh, James Starks. I said Ryan Grant, uh, Brandon Jackson, and James Starks. You know, it's kind of your running backs like. It doesn't strike me as a guy who needs that top flight running back. You have a scoring running back here in the third round. They do need someone behind uh, Tony Pollard, hypothetically. And Tony Pollard only here for one year. Injury concerns. You've got him at pick 90, taking uh, Zach uh, Charbonnet of uh, UCLA. Is that how we're going to pronounce his name, too, by the way? I mean, he's got some tough uh, pronunciations, as always. Um, Skipping over uh, a cane from A&M. Uh, and I like uh, Charbonnet over uh, Devonta Kane. Actually, just what I've seen in college, uh, not studying the tape on these guys. Uh, I think Charbonnet is actually pretty good value right there in the third round at pick ninety. And at the I owners' meeting, Stephen talked about finding a back that could complement Pollard. That's why I went with Charbonnet yeah. over some of the other guys that could potentially be there. Uh, let's be honest here: the backs that they have, they really do need for as much as. Every, everyone was critical of Zeke, or a lot of people were critical of Zeke last year. He did still do very well in short yardage, and they really don't have a back that you really love in short yardage right now. So, uh, I also love the little things like this. Doesn't fumble, <laughs> like not like I. I can't stand when teams like you take a guy who's got like a history of fumbling a lot in college. I'm like, why did you spend a premium pick on this guy? Um, he's not a fumbler. The wear and tear, yes, but I don't know that I'm asking you to come in and be my running back one. In fact, I'm not sure that running back one exists in this league anymore. So I'm not building my teams that way. Um, and I, I think the Cowboys would probably, 
I hope would be that way now. It's taken them a long time to get there, but I hope they would be there now. You you got to have two running backs, and if you're splitting carries, great. If you have a guy who's a big difference maker, great. And there's a difference in the talent. If Bijan's there, there's a big difference. We talk about Bijan and talking about uh, any of these other running backs, quite Absolutely. frankly. Um, there's a big gap between him and Gibbs, in my opinion. I think Gibbs is a really good Absolutely. player. There, there's where you uh, – and look, it's a position they need now. If they wanted to run back Malik Davis – they like Rico Dowdle. Those are things to remember. They may not sound sexy uh, off the tip of the tongue, but that's something to keep in mind is they do like Rico Dowdle and they are getting him back. So if they don't end up with the running back in this in this draft, don't panic or anything. Uh, they, they, have a, they have a feeling on the room, I believe. And uh, I think they're attacking it the right way, given that they did what I thought they wouldn't do. They, they uh, cut bait with Zeke. A-Chain's definitely a guy, though, that's got some speed, man. You talk about what Zeke didn't have in terms of the juice, the burst. I think A-Chain is a guy that does have that. He ends up being the guy. Just know he's coming with a lot of speed. Yeah. No, that's a big difference in those guys, right? Uh, it's kind of kind of an interesting thing about that and seeing how, their philosophy on that. The third round running back just takes me back to the year that we ended up with Chaz Green, though, because we were <laughs> watching running backs go off the board that year. And, oh, Duke Johnson just went and kind of counted. It's like, oh, they took a tackle. Okay, thought they might go running back there. So, uh, bats around to the fourth round. Let's go tie it in, John. Another Michigan guy here, Luke Shoemaker. Uh, I don't know. I- I'll tell you what, my, my hard opinion on tied in is this. Don't take one in the first round. Just don't do it. Just tr- trust your board, of course. But we don't have to do tight end in the first round. I'd be more upset with them taking a tight end in the first round than I wouldn't be upset if they took Bijan. See, that's a different threat there, right? Bijan changes everything a little bit. But running back, tight end, linebacker, I'm not taking those positions in the first round. That's how I'm building my teams. That's just me. What if it's this uh, Notre Dame tight end? I feel like the Cowboys definitely like this guy. Mayor? Yeah. I found that to be interesting because he was, you know, he was he was available there at twenty six when when um, when John was picking. But I but I agree with you know picking Nolan Nolan on that draft selection. But I think tight end in the first round is again one of those things where it depends on kind of what your what your situation is. First of all. Like I think Kyle Pitts was definitely a highly thought of uh, tight end in the first round, but then he goes to a really crappy situation in Atlanta. So I don't think that we've gotten to see the real Kyle Pitts and what he's going to kind of be. So I think it all depends on situations as well. Whereas, you know, I think, you know, but I think the sweet spot for a tight end is round two, two through four. I think that's where you really want to try to pick one. Yeah, I agree with everything both of you said, but I will, I'll say Kyle Pitts is in this draft and he's there at 26. I'll take Kyle Pitts. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. No, that no, changes there. I mean, the the, the player. That's like the Bijan. That's like the Bijan. That's like how you said you wouldn't take a running back, but then Bijan is the exception. I think Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. had had the same sort of thing. The the thing about them, and I don't again, the confirmed list is not you know out yet. You just kind of have rumors and things like that. We don't have a lot of tight end visits. The tight end visits that we have are guys who are projected to be more day three type guys. How much do they like Jake Ferguson? And that's kind of where I keep going back at tight end. Um, 
I'm I'm kind of good to to go at tight end as is. Maybe add another body. Yeah, they need somebody else. They definitely need. Yeah, and then and then don't you also think for a position that like if you're ranking positions that they that you'd like to get another body at of impact, I would think tight end is in your top three or four. And this is the deepest class. Is that tight end? I'm trying to take advantage of that somewhere. I'm getting another young guy out of this class. Yeah, I, I don't know that I wouldn't take two this class, to be honest. Just, as, you know, if you have the luxury to do that, if you feel like the rest of your roster stacks up right now, then I wouldn't be totally opposed to taking a couple and then, and then you know, down the road kind of picking your best three between the four or five that you have. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Let's go to round five, John. Getting me a big nasty in here. Anthony Bradford, guard from LSU. Now we're talking. We got build from inside. Get some bodies in here on the offensive line, John. Messing around at tight end. No, I, and if it doesn't I work, what did you invest? You know, fifth yeah, round fifth pick. Fifth rounder. Guess what? That'll get you these days. It'll get you Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. <laughs> there and you Amari go. Cooper. And Amari Cooper. Yeah. Let's do more of those. Fifth rounders. Might get you at Aaron Rodgers for a fifth. How's that trade working out? Oh, hasn't happened yet. Oh, I, I still hold value with fifth round picks. I think sixth and seventh round is kind of where I'm starting to throw just like darts on big projects and stuff. I still think fifth round picks have, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like some kind of draft expert and tell you all the hits and misses over the over the last, you know, whatever years. But fifth round, I'm still looking at the complete total package of a player, someone who can maybe come in and contribute relatively soon or whatever. Um, I, I move on to projects in the sixth, seventh and undrafted. Sixth round here, Aiden O'Connell, quarterback from Purdue. Now, one of their um, – this will be a Dallas Day visit, I believe, will be Clayton Toon, the quarterback at Houston. Um, Clayton Toon, who I weirdly knew as a, like, seven-year-old because his big brother was my college orientation roommate, Nathan Toon, <laughs> former UNT quarterback. Didn't see that coming. Uh, I don't know much about Aiden O'Connell, uh, but he was on the board uh, – I don't know, man. Uh, this year's uh, one of those years, and I know you're just picking players there, John. At this point in the draft, well, he had a visit it, with them, so that's why. Oh, he did. I'm okay, just I didn't trying know to that. connect it. Yeah, I was just trying to connect dots. Believe me, if I didn't hear that he had, that he had a visit with them, I mean, it yeah. came down to him, him and Max Duggan, and Max Duggan was the very next player that was picked. I mean, I would have just went with, hey, this kid had success at TCU. I'm not going to sit here and talk like I know a ton about Aiden O'Connell. He was their starter for four or five years. Guy that averaged about 300 yards, two touchdown passes per game, 6'4", pocket passer type guy. I mean, is he going to end up being someone that takes Cooper Rush's job? Highly unlikely, but they talk about how they were interested in kicking the tires on a quarterback late. So I was like, I'll just piece one in here, you know? Well, I like that you took a kicker in round seven and Jake Moody from Michigan. (laughs) Yeah, way too many Michigan players in this mock draft, especially considering Zach Charbonnet started his career there. Uh, For someone like myself who avidly roots against the university of Michigan. Uh, it was tough to go in this direction, but they, I mean, they've made the college football playoff because for a reason, you know, um, they've got, they've got some really good talent there. And when I talked to Dane, uh, a little over a week ago, he said that Moody's the guy, uh, when I asked him, you know, the last two drafts, there's only been two kickers taken one in each of the last two drafts. And I go, if there's one to be taken here, who, who would you lean towards? And he said, probably Jake Moody. And so when he was there in the seventh, I'm like, this team needs a kicker. And Moody has kicked some huge kicks for Michigan, um, you know, uh, very successful college kickers. So I was like, hey, seventh round, here we go. This is the new Jonathan Garibay. <laughs> hey, okay, so I, 
given given this team's history, recent history, uh, <laughs> I love that this is just always going to be a shot at KT for the rest of it's all right. for the rest of existence. <laughs> but uh, I deserve it. How how high would you take a kicker? Like knowing I that you, this team needs one and stuff, how high would you take one? Oh, I, I'm a, I, like any kicker. Like I can take Justin Tucker. No, no, uh, no. Well, like I mean, knowing what you not knowing what you know now, but how highly no, I'm saying him is. coming out of college, you knew yeah, he was yeah. going to be the the chance. Justin Tucker is not some big surprise that he's been this. I mean, right, right, he was right. looked at. You know, all right, here we'll take another one because he went super high. Uh, and, and and lasted in the league for a long time. And Bones Fossil coached him. I'll take Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, I'd probably take him in the third round. Okay. Third I don't think round. in the first. Okay. Or, I don't think I would do it in the first or second. But if you tell me you're going to give give me a guy like that who you know far and away has got a huge leg that you're never going to have any issue with any long kicks, kickoffs, anything like that, and he's got this super accurate history uh, playing in big games in college for na- for a national championship team. Uh, and then just the build, the size, all of that you think is going to take over. Yeah, I, I could take one in the third round for sure. Seabass was mean, a that's first a, rounder, right? That's once in every, yeah, yeah. That's once yeah. in every, you know, 10 drafts are even going to, and maybe even be longer than that. But like, yeah, if you, every once in a while, yeah, there. But for most drafts, I think maybe fifth round, fourth round at the, at the earliest, you know, but for Sebastian Janikowski, I would probably do third. Okay. I mean, it's a guy you're probably going to have on your roster for 10 years. I mean, maybe longer. If you get the right kicker, you know, I mean, you could have that guy. You could definitely have that guy, maybe even for more than 10 years, you know. So uh, that, to me, is worth a third-round pick. But the problem is that there's just been so many kickers in the last, whatever, five plus 10 drafts that you're really – there's just so many, I don't know, it's all over the board. We don't know how good this guy is going to be, you know. So there really haven't been a reason, like a can't-miss prospect, you know. Yeah, no, no. I, I it's a, the reality is since we don't know if they if they were able to trade back on day three and move around and acquire more picks. Damn, Justin I'd Tucker okay was undrafted. It. Yeah. Oh well, I stand correct. All right, we're C Bass. We're going down to fourth. <laughs> yeah. What's the kicker? Damn, I thought for I thought for sure Tucker was taken in the fourth. Wow. No, okay. he was good, but like, yeah, I think it was just you know he kind of suffered from that whole thing of like you're not going to take a kicker in the in the draft like that i know but i mean even well, now i feel like tr- kicker is more devalued than ever before and there still is like one going in every draft and they're going in the fifth or f- fourth or fifth round so someone like justin tucker who was good in college and that i would have thought for sure he was a fourth or fifth round pick damn the one most recently that stands out to me is that tampa kicker roberto aguayo oh, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. But, man and yeah. he was but, good look, in college too man he was automatic yeah. kickers who have also been drafted since him Butker, that's worked out fine. Zen Gonzalez still in the league. Jake Elliott, Sanders, Carlson, Siebert, Matt Gay. Very few guys like Tyler Bass, McPherson, Cade York, all guys who are like in the league. A lot of these guys who get drafted stay in the league, right? So usually wherever they're drafted, they end up being a guy. Talk about the top five kicker in the league, whatever. You need a guy who can knock down kicks for you in clutch moments. There we go. That's what you need. Uh, more than anything, you can't have a guy get the yips on you in the playoffs. It can't happen. Yeah. So this is where I kind of go. If they can acquire more picks, I'm okay with them drafting a kicker. But if they got seven picks, I just don't think you can mess around with that. But they do need to sign someone. So there's that. Well, guys, we did it. We ran through the mock draft. Uh, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> which it's mock draft simulating season. So, uh, you know, everyone have a good time. Everyone enjoy all the good sports happening. Baseball's back. 
Good stuff on the athletic. Basketball playoffs coming. Sod and the Dallas Stars are going to the playoffs, unlike the Mavs. Yeah. The Stars the, are doing it. They are. One thing, one thing I'll say about these simulators, and I and I love reading all of them. I love I, I love them especially when they're like you know in article format as opposed to just like you know tweets of like these are the yeah. seven guys that I picked. Uh, the reason why I love reading them in article format is because if you like read John's latest one, it the the draft is not going to fall like that. Those are not the seven players that the Cowboys are going to pick. They might not even pick one of any of those. But you get more of like a feel or a philosophy, like. Like, you know, like John explaining in the, in the Nolan, in the Nolan paragraph, like, you know, like who he would take, like if it was not Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator. So you get more of a philosophical feel for some of these things. So I know sometimes people like get draft fatigue and they're like, well, like everyone's doing mock drafts. It's different when you're listening to like a one hour podcast, breaking down the reasoning behind it or reading an article that gives you more of the philosophical reasons for it. Um, which is why, like, you know, even I was peppering in questions like, like, you know, how early would you take a kicker? Because like that stuff is kind of what you're more like looking for. It's not the player itself, but it's more about the philosophy of drafting, which is interesting. No, no doubt, man. Uh, and anyone who's taking mock drafts, literally, you know, that's uh, that's not a good uh, way to live your <laughs> life. You know, these are mocks for a reason. A guy could put on literally a gas mask, a video could get, could surface. The guy moves back. And then other teams go, damn it, we should have taken him. Why did we get scared of the gas mask video? The draft's wild. Always has been. Always will be. And we'll have more draft coverage for you here on The Athletic moving forward because it's April and it is draft season. Um, For Father John Machota, check out his other stuff. Good Q&A with Dane. A lot of stuff going on over there. He's got that that hat that reminds me of Tony Romo's hat. I know it has the Nike check on it, but... It still, it still <laughs> reminds me of Tony Romo. We buried the lead for this entire podcast. John, you met Bill Murray? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. What happened? Did I so miss it, this? Yeah, so uh, I went down to the Final Four on Saturday uh, in Houston, and uh, Bill Murray's son uh, is an assistant coach on UConn's basketball team, and so they played the second game. wasn't a very entertaining game, but... I was in the upper bowl, so because I was, I uh, I brought my binoculars with me uh, just in case because like, college sporting events are not really going to show a lot of – they really don't show a lot of replays. They don't really show like the same – yeah. it's just not the same vibe. They're not going to really zero in on any like celebrities in the crowd type thing and that. So I had my binoculars with me, and I was panning around, and I knew Bill Murray's been at some of his son's games and stuff like that uh, this year for UConn. And uh, so I was panning around. I was like, oh, yeah, Bill Murray's here, you know? Not not to mention, I wasn't getting great Wi-Fi, so it's like I'm not really checking Twitter to see who's there or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? If this game's a big enough of a blowout, I'm going to try and go down there and get a picture with him if he's cool about it, you know? So the, the game's a blowout, and you know UConn's going to win. A lot of their fans are leaving, so I'm like, I kind of worked my way down in the UConn section, and I was waiting there. Everybody left. Everybody had, you know, the, both teams had left the court or whatever, and I saw a couple people go up to him, and he was cool with it. So I walked up to him, and I was like, hey, sorry to bother you. Would you mind taking a picture real quick? And he goes, yeah, sure, no problem. So just got a quick selfie with uh, Bill wow. Murray. So, <laughs> yeah. Were you nervous that he would be a, a jerk about it? Well, that's why I waited to make sure that like, I'm very like, I don't generally like, I wouldn't have done it if I had, if I was there working, like I've never asked anybody for a picture for sure. like, when I've been credentialed yeah. or anything like that. Um, you say for sure, but you know, a lot of people in this business do that. But anyway, um, but yeah, I was, I was I've go- always amazed by that. It's your, yeah. you're not supposed to like, it's like a thing you're taught. You're, I was there that. as a fan. 
they, I mean, UConn was rolling. He's obviously very happy for his son. His son has been with several different teams. I mean, he's been with Xavier and Louisville, and I've seen him, I mean, Bill Murray at several of these games and stuff like that. And this is the best, you know, team. They're going to probably win the national championship. And, uh, you know, his son has, has done great. As an, he'll, he'll be a head coach pretty soon. And so you could tell he was real geeked about it too. So he's in a really good mood. And after I saw a couple other people go up to him and it didn't seem like he was bothered. And the other thing is too, is, I mean, he's sitting down in the crowd. It's not like, he, and this is like a good 15, 20 minutes after the game, he could have easily left through a certain entrance where other people can't go, but he was hanging out, having a good time. And so, yeah, cause here's my big thing on getting a picture with somebody. I don't want a picture with somebody if even they say yes. And then they're just like a serious face or you can tell that you pissed them off. It's like, cool. I'm just deleting this picture. I don't even want to have this. Like, like, uh, like for example, a one that a friend of mine and I always talk about, like, I would never ask Eminem for a picture. Like, he's going to look all pissed off <laughs> and you're going to be like, well, cool. What would I even do with this picture? So, but he, Bill Murray was having a good time. And so I was like, all right, he might be cool with this. And if he says no, he says no. And I'll understand. I'll walk away. But yeah, he was real cool. Yeah. He goes, yeah, sure. No problem. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That yeah. is a, really cool. That's up there. Yeah, yeah there's you know, very few people on the list I would bother and he's on the list. I did, yeah. I posted it on Instagram but I didn't tweet it out and part of the reason I didn't tweet it out is because I mean he's going to be at the game Monday night too and I just didn't want to be like yeah, anybody just go up to Bill Murray and take a picture with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, it's like, just like <laughs> that's not a picture with, you know, the belldozer, you know, <laughs> that's not a picture with Will Disley. The, the belldozer, you know, that that's a picture with Bill Murray. That's you know, <laughs> no offense to the belldozer. Uh, uh, spare right. tight end talk. Not a tight end talk. Right. Why did that's you go up and get a, done enough? Did you go up and did you go get a picture with a belldozer? No, no, no. I actually had no reference. I was looking for anyone that wasn't you know on a lower there level. There you go. Wow, look at it. it's him. That's really him. That's <laughs> oh, not sorry. an imposter. That's the Bill Murray <laughs> having awesome. the time of his life. Having the time of his life. You know, you always want to execute the photo. Like, I got a photo taken with Jack White once, and I'm making the oh, dumbest effing face in the world. I'm just like, <laughs> why did I do that? He seems like a good uh, dude. I've heard him a few times on the radio down here promoting things, and obviously yeah, he's, he's cool. a Detroit guy. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Well, guys, we'll uh, see you next week. We'll talk some more uh, Cowboy stuff. John, Saad, Kent, I'm KT. Talk to you next time about the Cowboys. <laughs>